Hi there, Kim Schmidt, Executive Editor of Farm Equipment here. Welcome to the latest episode of Farm Equipment's podcast series, Our Dealer Story. In this week's episode, Alan Stenham of the Farm Equipment team sat down with John Ice and Scott Chalupny of Ice Implement during the Precision Farming Dealer Summit in St. Louis. John, along with his cousin Chris Ice, are the third generation owners of the single store John Deere dealership in Two Rivers, Wisconsin. John and Chris's grandfather started the dealership in 1946. Before we head over to John and Scott, I wanted to thank our sponsor, HBS Systems, a multi-generational company that for over 30 years has provided leading edge systems and software technology designed specifically for ag and construction equipment dealers. Thanks for making this podcast series possible. We'll jump into the conversation with John sharing the story of the early years of the dealership and how at its original location, two families were living above the dealership. This is the Our Dealer Story of Ice Implement. John, what's your role with the dealership? Um, right now, I'm, if you want to call it COO, we're not really big on formal titles, but uh, we're a lot of different hats. Previous to that was just a lot of aftermarket parts manager, uh, trying to help him out, take care of the financials. And with the challenges we've been facing with the farm side, especially on the dairy end, it's, it's been a battle with with things. So I tried to move over. Uh, my cousin Chris is my partner, is their sales manager. Uh, try to help him all as much as I can now and just oversee the whole organization and work together. So, you know, what we want to talk about is how the dealership started, what the sure. origin stories, you know, who was involved and things like that. Talking about some of the early memories, maybe, and, and experience as a third generation, you know, owner and things like that and what those challenges have been, you know, and you represent a different generation. Yeah. I, I would imagine you're probably, what, early 30s here? Or, uh, yeah, 37. In the millennial, you know. Awesome, and, early 30s. <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. get asked for my ID anymore. <laughs> I don't know when that happened, but all of a sudden, I don't get asked for my ID anymore. And it's a flattering thing. I feel like I'm a little bit older. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you've got a, a different perspective than, you know, than definitely than a lot of other uh, dealer principals. You know? Yeah, definitely. And that, that's uh, the way that the organization was run when our dads, my dad and my two uncles ran. It was totally different than what it is today for the better, yeah, at times. But I don't know. The way that they managed it, too, was old school. Yeah. So tell us about that. You know, um, did you spend a lot of time at the dealership as a, as a child? And, yeah. 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 Sure. Uh, t- tell us about those early days and, and um, you know, how, how everything got started. And yeah, started. it's actually interesting because I, of our family, I'm, I'm really the only one, maybe my sister as well, that actually didn't ever get to meet our grandfather, uh, Ray Ice, who started it in 1946. So that's been always something to try to live up to that. You know, I didn't have the luxury of ever meeting him, so. Uh, but yeah, 1946, Grandpa started the business, and uh, downtown Main Street was, that's what it was. There's Main Street, and my dad, and actually two families lived together in one house, and the dealership was in the same building, and they lived upstairs, and uh, just a, a completely different thinking of how things were back then. As a dealer, they were a John Deere dealer, but then they did everything else. They, they installed barn cleaners. They did water systems for the cows. They did stanchions. They did, uh, they even made their own chopper boxes. Yeah, built forge boxes. Yeah, out of wood. There's still a few around. They're pa- oh, yeah. painted lime green, you know, the, the ice boxes. Yeah, it's, it's pretty neat <laughs> to see. <laughs> Is that what they're called? Well, that's, that's the- The ice box. Okay. The term, yeah. yeah, but yeah. they had the, the ice name on the side. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they didn't have highways in that then, so. They literally had to take these 
backcountry roads to go to. Uh, I think it was Wild Rose is where they actually got the wood, these long oak planks that they used for the frame. And then they had spruce throughout the rest of the chopper boxes and they hand built them, painted them, and sold them. Uh, they did everything from sandblasting and repainting tractors. It was even to the point where the, the little town of Michicot, they would use them for snow removal. We have a resort, a uh, golf resort in town, and they'd be up there moving snow out of the parking lots. So just the neat dynamic how things were then, you relied on everybody that was around you and the resources they had available, and that's how they leveraged it. In 78 is when they built a new location outside of town, new store. It's still new today because it's, it's still the original building. Thankfully, they built it big enough we've been able to expand and still survive within it. And that around that same time is when my grandfather sold the business to my dad, who was Jim and my uncle Jerry, and then their brother-in-law, our uncle Roy. Uh, those three took it over. Like most dealers around that time, they, they each kind of ran their own department. So my dad took care of service, Jerry took care of parts, and then Roy took care of sales and, and the finance side of it. 78 wasn't very far around the corner from the 80s when things were miserable. I got this really neat, it's like a, a purple cover on the book, and it's from a tour down at Moline, and it's got a list of all the dealers in the state of Wisconsin. And I mean, it's a full page, just covered how many dealers were lost at that point from the 80s. And there was still a lot left. And uh, building that location really saved them. It, it's, it set them up for a future. I just, I just look back at now today, we need to take that list and see how many are still uh, around in the whole state. Oh, it's far few. Yeah, yeah. The vision, I think, even if you know whoever planned it back then did a good job, you look at the, the building now and it serves us well. I mean, yeah. it, it's gotten tighter over the years, but the the layout of it was was well thought out for the time we're fortunate because in terms of investing in a new facility is a tough pill to swallow you mentioned there were two families that were living there and then yeah. working with it that was that it was actually ice and wagner okay. and then wagner actually ended up branching out and and they had they started their own dealership uh in the area too so that that was a neat dynamic too to have two families living in the same house sharing one bathroom. Was, I think it was like 13 people. I mean, we grew up with, you know, a family of four and we're fighting over a bathroom. It's just, it's funny, I only had one sister. Can't imagine more than one sister. So how, how types have changed and, and uh, it makes you appreciate what, what they did then to, to make things happen. They actually, uh, in the, the same building that they all lived in, they're on the, like the second floor. So there really wasn't any like green space. So my dad and my Uncle Jerry, they actually play on the roof of the, of the house and the dealership's connected to it. So one day they're, ah, there's just, it's unbelievable. They're, they've been kids their whole life. The things that they've done is just crazy. <laughs> they're dropping water balloons off the roof of the house and they don't even know who they're dropping them on. And of course they end up dropping one on, the, on their dad, my <laughs> grandfather. And uh, I'm sure that ended with a, <laughs> a pretty good whooping. Yeah. Um, so it just it's interesting seeing that dynamic develop and to where they where they took it. <clears throat> you um, you mentioned '78 when your 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 dad and uncle and uh, others got involved. Um, yeah. Maybe maybe talk a little bit about that. Um, 
obviously, you know, before your time, a few years, uh, but what what was going on with them that you know of? What, what, what were they doing before they, or were they working at the dealership at the time? Yep, yeah, uh, at the time, I know my Uncle Jerry was, he went to Vietnam, and they actually waited for him to get back before they made the transition to really push forward and sell the business. Uh, Roy was managing the sales side, and then my dad was taking care of the service side. So once Jerry got back, then they, they went ahead and got things rolling with the transition with the new the new facility. Was it a matter of your, your grandfather looking to retire and, and get out of the business or just? Yep. 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 So he, was, yep. He ended up selling it to them. How much did your grandma do after that? I don't know. Because I can still remember when I first started her coming in on Saturdays and I, I don't remember how much she oh, did, no. but, yeah. but she, had, she would come in and answer the phone a little bit at least. See, I, I, I didn't even know that. That's cool. She, she was involved quite a bit when you were around or just? No, not really, but like on the weekends, she would come on Saturdays and answer the phone and she'd be around, um, which was just kind of neat looking back. Yeah. Huh. I'm the youngest of our, like our whole family. So a lot of the stories never got, never made it down to me. <laughs> well, that's okay. Um, you know, and, and I'm sure, you know, running the business now, you'll, you'll probably learn more as, you know, as the years go by and, you know, if you guys have like a, Kind of some archival stuff, I'm sure, you know, got the, the shoebox somewhere. Unfortunately it's, not. Really? It's, it's crazy. And, and and I'm the type, I'm not a big saver of things. I tend to push through them and they disappear. And I look back and it's like, man, it's unfortunate that they didn't really save a lot of the history. So when, when you started, what year was it when, when you started, Scott? Uh, 1995. No, that's right. The summer of 95, yeah. yeah. Maybe tell me uh, some of your earliest memories of John. Um, um, you know, as... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, yeah. Not a mechanic, that's for sure. <laughs> there was an instance with some lawnmower blades, I think I recall one time. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but no, John John worked, you know, started out, out in the shop and, and did some stuff out there, but I think he, he learned pretty quickly that that wasn't his, his cup of tea or his forte. Um, I truly admire what, what you do and what the techs do. It's an art to be able to disassemble something and put it back together and, and make it work. I, I just, I don't have the, I never got that computer software installed in me. <laughs> it's it's changed a lot, that's for sure. You know, looking back, that was 9510 combines were, were brand new and you know, the seven and 8,000 series tractors had just come out. So time time goes fast. You, you don't realize how much how much has happened since then, but it uh, it changed a lot. Do you know how many employees we had in like 95? Total, no. Um, I believe we had six technicians in the shop and we might've had, yeah, we might've had a part-time guy, but that was that was probably about it that I can remember. Cause that right around that time when Scott started is really when things started to start changing faster for us. Uh, my cousin, Chris, he's 10 years older than me. Uh, he actually, when he got done with college, he went and he worked for the competitor for a couple of years as a salesperson and then came back to the business uh, around that same time as well. So all of a sudden these pieces started to fall into place and you had six technicians today. Today now you're 14 or? I've got 12 full time now. With with interns, we've been up to 15. So tell me a little more about the, the change, you know, in, in, in 95 and, and what was going on there. and. What you saw is, you know. Yeah, um, 
I, I know one thing for shop, for the shop wise was the the six thousand series choppers came out, and that was a big upgrade. Yeah. Um, I, before that, you really didn't see a whole lot of custom operators, and I think once that started, you, you started seeing seeing more that the dairy started growing and that they were getting bigger faster. I think that presented a challenge for you guys. Yeah, I think that's where the the technology started. You know, I before that the the forty and fifty series tractors. You know, going back, everything was pretty much the same. Well, now you started adding CAN bus systems and and controllers, and I think it 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 started growing. And now taking that technology to what you have today is is mind blowing. You know, it's it's crazy. <laughs> you know, then you didn't we didn't have cell phones. You know, the you got sent out on a service call and. We, we did have a radio system in the truck, so sometimes that worked and call back, but everybody heard everything, so if you couldn't ask too many questions because everybody would know what you're asking. Go to channel 16. Right, right. And if you get hollered at, everybody heard that too. Yeah, everybody else was Yeah, my dad's um, good for that. But then I remember, you know, that, that change, we started getting truck um, bag phones in the truck, so then you could call back in and, and you know, be able to go to, you'd be able to get more resources that way too. And you'd be able to know where to go after that, you know, <laughs> where now if, if you call a technician, you're, you're interrupting them, you better, you better be texting them, you know, to tell them what to do next. Yeah. yeah. So what was going on in your life when uh, you and Chris decided that this was what you wanted to do? Maybe just let's elaborate on that a little bit. Just from, from a kid on, I, I can remember and actually looking up to Scott as well starting out in the shop just cutting grass i mean i think i was in like seventh grade probably breaking labor laws <laughs> cutting grass your family that doesn't count yeah <laughs> and uh and then just setting up lawnmowers and is just fun and i look back at that the fun of setting up a lawnmower delivering out to the customer showing them the features seeing that they're they're satisfied um, even cleaning a combine for three days on the steam pad. I, if I go back to that, I would in a heartbeat. You just the, the things you think about and and uh, just feeling proud knowing that you accomplished something. And he and I talk about it all the time with uh, regardless if it's a young generation or an older generation, just feeling proud about what you're doing and looking for employees that have that same mindset. It's, re it's really neat and I know Chris was uh, talking with him before I came to the summit he was saying how he remembers uh, hay wagons running gears and he all day long he just set up running gears one after the next putting wheels on them and everything in 90 degree weather and he that was like his calling that he never wanted to do this again <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was around the time when they had uh, the, the paper cataloging for inventory. They have the little cards for, for parts inventory and thank goodness I wasn't around when that was because I never would have wanted to be in parts. Thankfully when I got in it was, there was computer inventory and ah, oh, sweet. The little nerd that I am, it worked out great. Uh, but yeah, the yeah your, dad, your dad never had a computer at his desk even. No, yeah. It was done on paper. Yeah, handwritten work orders and triple the processes of things that need to be done. Oh man, but yeah, like with the six series, and then getting into like the the eight thousand series tractors, everything just started to really take off, and it was still a comfortable pace in terms of change. You still had a fair number of years of equipment technology where the mechanics could get used to it. It didn't. It wasn't like changing every year, or midway through the year, that made it nice. 
and then you know through high school I would just do the school work thing and and work there and uh, my parents actually didn't even they didn't really think much about it they just thought I'd after I graduated I'd come into the business and just start working and I just I don't know we just start to realize my sister as well like we got to go out. Our parents never had a college education. Not that that matters. At, you know, it's everybody's in a different situation, but we just felt like we needed to, to go out and get that extra education. So um, I, knew, I knew I had to do that. So while I went to college, uh, Chris was in the business. He was there as a, as a salesman. And uh, they, they just all waited for me to come back to graduate before we took it to the to the next level of looking at how we could transition the business. So in around 2008, after a few years I was back from college, we made the decision to have the dads step back from the day to day and just be more um, advisors. And we chose Scott to be our service manager to lead us forward for a number of reasons. Uh, he he was you know younger. He had an appetite for the technology. He was actually kind of the pioneer of the PF side, really, um, at the heart of it. So he came in with a PF background already with the, like, the original Green Star. And that really, I think, set us apart because now we had a service manager that can take that phone call and answer those technical questions uh, with the customers over the phone. And <clears throat> that, again, helped push us forward a little bit more. And I'm sure it it actually took longer than it did, but I feel like that was like a, the conversation one afternoon, you know, is this something to be interested in? And the next day Jim was walking out and left his desk just the way it was, here you go. Um, it just, it happened so fast. Just like we talked about today, the old way, right? Just throw you in the fire and here you go. <laughs> yeah. um, I don't think any of us ever thought or that my dad would just walk away like that because he's so passionate, just very detail oriented. and. And, and focused and, and he did he did come back and 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 help me along the way it's not like he just left me out there but and i think he still to this day you know he, he stops in quite a bit and i think he he likes to see what's going on and likes to make his round around the shop and talk to the guys and see what they're up to because he's the only surviving one left um the other two partners uh they passed away already so you know in 2008 when we did that we took over the day-to-day and then uh it just family dynamics it's a challenge and we were looking at ways that we could transition some ownership over for us and then finally in uh unfortunately in 2014 my uncle jerry chris's dad passed away unexpectedly he's the youngest of the three of them uh, so that triggered everything with our manufacturer and we were able to continue on as a single store location at that time which is pretty remarkable um, I really, you know, put a lot of effort into building a business plan and a, a five-year vision where we would go, and it, it worked. So up until 2014, your your uncles were still pretty involved. It sounds like. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then, and, but you're there, and, and, and uh, you and Scott. And so it sounds like you, you guys were trying to learn how to work together with your uncles a little. And, yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. that's hard. I'm a softy, so at the heart of it so it's difficult being in the the old way of you know they were generals it was my way or the highway and i can remember going back to when i was in high school and getting sent home because i just <laughs> didn't agree with something my dad wanted me to do or 
I can remember uh, I yanked somehow I yanked the air hose off of the right off the main line and it's just blowing out all the air and it's way on the top of the ceiling of the shop I'm like there's no way I'm not they've got this rinky ladder I'm like there's no way I'm going on that ladder and doing that I'm not gonna do it and uh, you sent me home that day <laughs> yeah so how does your uh, management differ you know what, what do you how do you approach things Oh, I comparatively definitely a lot softer. Sometimes that's not good either. I I really try to incorporate everybody's ideas and what they want to do. And um, I'm a big lead by example type. It's it's probably the hardest thing for me is letting some of the tasks go, the daily grind, just because I know I can do it and get it done versus having somebody else do it. And that, that holds me back a bit. But again, leading by example, still working on a Saturday at the parts counter, carrying the after hours pager with the guys, being a team player that way. I, I still believe even as a, regardless of what position you're in, even if you are a manager, you should still step up and do those things. Your dad's, your dad and your uncles, you know, were different. They all had their, their spot in the company and they, you know, their differences work together just like a worked them apart once in a while too you know they had their <laughs> they had their differences but i i think it's kind of the same where you and chris are two different yeah two different yep. leadership styles now and, and you meet buckheads at times but at times it levels everything out too you know i'm the data just put something in front of me and i'm gonna i can write the best letter i can't debate <laughs> chris he can debate he, <laughs> he he can talk he can hold a conversation i'm the opposite i struggle with that so it really makes us uh, balance out really well in some of those difficult customer situations and you know looking back our our, our dads really didn't, didn't I mean they listened to you but it was more so this is what it is where me I'm going to listen to what somebody brings forward and try to find a happy medium the, I'm sure there was plenty of offers and things that were you know and I, I, I believe they had an opportunity the, the family of the Wagners that, uh, that all lived in the same house together when the Wagners left and had their own store i believe there was an opportunity at at some point for them to purchase that location but they definitely weren't ready for it and and that there wasn't any younger generation really active enough in the business at that time to to be that next wave to help them operate a second location so really for them the timing just never worked out Based on what you know about the operation today, and you can think about it, you know, um, from a from an operational, from a managerial standpoint, what do you see that's different with the organization, with you know, with John and, and Chris? I feel like I don't know if higher pace is the right term, but it's. I think we're more efficient now, and, and technology is probably added to that. But um, there's no lapses in time, and you know, everybody, the technicians at least are are always doing something there's always the next job's waiting you know there's a there's no um, no lapse in between the farm sizes have changed a lot the the family farms that you that i went and called on back then are most of them are are have gotten bigger or are no longer around um and that changes things too you know the i don't i want to say today's clients or customers are more more demanding but i think they're they're under more stress too you know there's more of a, a time crunch there's no there's no calling your neighbor to ask to borrow something anymore, you know, and I need this machine fixed now. And, and that's changed. Yeah. Um, that's brought challenges, I, I feel like, to, to the whole company. You know, you're, you're under the gun more. A lot less casual. Yeah. 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 
you don't feel uh, sometimes you don't feel like the customer appreciates what you're doing for them. Sometimes you know it, we're we're back back then. I think you got more more praise for for getting something going. Yeah, you used to get like cookies and stuff, didn't you? <laughs> a few lunches, yeah. yeah, yeah, a few lunches. Be on a service call and. <laughs> Farmer's wife would cook up a lunch for you. Yeah, you know the you you come back in uh, what, what was it two thousand eight ish? Two thousand six. Yep. Six. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep. But then two thousand eight, we took over. Yeah. yeah. Um, did it take some convincing, or I mean, well, you already had a passion for it, but you were also getting an education. And when was that moment when you're like, okay, yeah, I'll do this? Pretty much in high school, uh, Deer actually had a dealership management program at the time at like a handful of universities yet. Okay. So. Yeah. North Dakota State was one of them, and so I went out there and, and did that. So I, I knew right away that I'd want to come back, and I just didn't know in what, you know, what position I would be. And after discussions, they, they put me in a, in the parts department. I got to spend time on our delivery truck for about a year delivering parts, and that that was cool. Just really connecting you with the customer and, and seeing the operations, and uh, that that was a good learning experience for me. So you were went to school, but even while you were at school, you weren't thinking I'm going to go, you know, learn something else. I'm not going to get out and go, you know, get, get my law degree or something. You were like, oh. correct. Yep. So the family, when you said they were waiting for you, they literally were waiting for you guys to, yep, yeah, for you to graduate and come down and yeah. And what was that conversation like when you when you came home from college? You know, and how, how long did it take for them to? Was it? it was it the you know June fifth when <laughs> it was fast? Here's the keys. Yeah, yeah it was fast. I actually, I I got done with school in December, January time. Is I went an extra semester longer, and I was right away beginning of January. I was there working, uh, so I just jumped right in and we went at it. So how long after that did did you transition into a management role? Uh, how did that happen? What was that like? Uh, probably about a year. And uh, I got to say, God bless everybody for dealing with, you know, nobody's an expert. You know, you can't just, you can't go to college and come out being a manager and running a business. It just doesn't work that way. And uh, I think my my lighter approach to management helped me with that rather than trying to be, a, you know, a bulldozer like our, my dad and my uncles were. But at the same time, it made it difficult for our staff because when you don't give exact direction, it can be tough. Or I have very high expectations, and it's kind of like Scott alluded to, where the, the pace is there. It's a fast pace. Chris and I, we, we, we're jogging across the showroom. We're running back into the, the shop. That's, that's how we function. We're just, we're go, go, go. And uh, the demands of that are sometimes too high. And... It's, it's hard sometimes to step back and just be like, it, it, we got to slow down. These guys need a break. You know, we're going we're to burn them out. But uh, when we got to that spot, we realized, you know, historically the winter was always slow. Um, the shop guys would get laid off or, you know, hours, hours reduced at least in, in the winter. When we promoted Scott, we sat down and said, we got to figure out a way to do this. And, you know, some of the stores were putting in three-sided storage buildings to do winter service. And, just we put a number on it. We said, "Hey, if you get this many inspections, we'll build the we'll build the building." And he did it. Just boom, like that. We 
all of a sudden now we're 24 7 365 days we got work um, and then that that evolved more even on our lawn and garden side was it three years now roughly yeah, this be the, we the actually year. we actually took the same approach on our lawn and garden side we offer a, a turnkey tune-up and then we actually store the lawnmowers for the winter until next spring we call it our put on ice uh, winter storage program so we built another building for that <laughs> so um, apparently building buildings has been our, our <laughs> motivation <laughs> but um, you're keeping those technicians busy all winter now too you're not you're not waiting for a snowstorm to to have some breakdowns you've you've got something to do all the while so the hardest part has really been the growth like implementing each step of the way more and more processes and then you know more and more human resources and all the everything that's been coming and making business so complex today you know he started i don't know how many texts you had when you started but i mean we used to only have one lawn and garden technician and we've got four today so all of a sudden he's got all these extra guys under him plus you know living his life with the phone in his ear all day with customers to be able to handle that over the time is a challenge too and you know everybody's got your limits and so to be able to, to grow with us and still continue to the way John's wired, you, you get done with something, you think you did really good, and you're like, "All right, this is good." We're, you know, nope. Let's stop. Let's get on to the next thing. <laughs> what yep. can we do next? Yeah, I, yep. I, I get that from my father. You know, <laughs> it's not that nothing was ever good enough. It's it's just he always pushed you for that next level, and uh, I have to step back and try to make more of a positive approach to it now. But you're right. It, <laughs> One thing's not there. That's nice. <laughs> we'll get back to the ice implement story in a minute, but first I wanted to say thanks to HBS Systems, the sponsor of this series. To learn more about HBS's equipment dealership management systems, visit www.hbssystems.com. After that, head over to farm-equipment.com for the latest industry news. Now back to the story of ICE Implement and how the dealership has grown through diversification and how that's helped the dealership weather the storm of the downturn in the ag economy. So diversification has been big for us. Uh, our, our lawn and garden, compact tractor, gator uh, business has just been a focus for us to grow that. And we also, in 2000. 15, uh, we added Wacker Neusen as a light construction line in addition to the John Deere um, CCE line that we have. And we hired a full-time salesperson for that. Now we're looking at, let's move the needle on that. Let's, let's add in a dedicated service advisor for that. Let's add a dedicated service technician and then ultimately add a second commercial salesperson to the fold just to diversify more from the large egg side that we that we have, and the opportunity is there. The growth is there, especially on the large property owners with with compact tractors and that. Uh, it's been a, a nice focus for us, especially over the past four or five years. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That market's held up a lot of large egg. You know? Yep. Yeah. It's really helped us weather the storm. I I don't know what we would do without it the last three years. Especially our, you know, my cousin Chris and I, we ended up buying the business in 14. Well, we all know how awesome 14 was for farming then. It was great yet. And then, uh, and then it kind of all went downhill. So 
being, you know, scuba diving under the water, under debt, buying a business and then having some tough years. If it wasn't for a service department, it wasn't for parts, if it wasn't for our lawn and garden and it'd be pretty tough sliding. Um, so we're fortunate to have a, a good group of people there. And ultimately that's why we're still around for 74 years is our employees. We had uh, one gentleman retire two years ago, he had 39 years. We celebrated two of our employees this year, the 40 year anniversaries. We got another one in the, in the folder that's not far behind. Uh, so it's, it's that passion that they've believed in us. And I think that's maybe the piece that Chris and I have been able to bring uh, in terms of, you know, maybe a fresher approach is just believing in us and knowing that what we can do, we can move forward. And I'm sure there's days where he's ready to pull his hair out and like, God, really? What again? Like another thing? Like now you gotta do this? And, uh, and the pressure there, but uh, there's gotta be a sense of belief from them that they've stuck it out with us. And we've tried our best to try to give back to them for that to really, you know, in our area, focus on paying a wage that's competitive, if not higher than what they could get elsewhere. Uh, flexibility with uh, just family time off is huge for us. And I don't think Chris and I have ever said no to anybody that same day if they needed off because we can't compete with the larger companies in terms of some of the benefits they have, but if we can leverage it with flexibility, we're gonna do what we can. Yeah, you mentioned, you know, 2014 and, and um, yeah, just, you know, a couple of years before that, everybody's doing the money dance and you, <laughs> so you, you, you entered, you know, a you know, pretty challenging time, you know. And you talked about, uh, you know, kind of the saving grace as your technicians and, and uh, you know, some of the things they brought to the table. But let's let's talk about that some more. Let's unpack that quite a bit. Yeah. Let's talk about that challenge of coming in in 2014 and then what that experience has been like for, for ICE and for you and, and your workers over the past five years. So, You know, looking at even 2008 when we took over, 2009, I mean, you had a huge market struggle there for a while and things were, were tough but we we got through it okay we didn't have to work really hard from it from a managerial standpoint from a number standpoint to make it work because our dads they had the business paid for you know there wasn't any line of credit and uh, you made it through and things were were great and then you take the business over and when times were good where we failed was it's it's flowing so you're not you're not worrying about it. Everything's going good, the inventory's turning, and perfect, this, this is great. This, is, this ain't too bad managing a company. And then when things get tough, you realize, wow, I don't have the skills for this. <laughs> uh, you know, I need to further my education on this. I need to get a master's degree. I need to go out and, and find a 20 group to be a part of, because our dads were never in anything like that. Uh, we need to go to these summits that farm equipment puts on pf puts on and start advancing your your knowledge of how you're going to actually get through some of these tough times um, training as a whole just i think it's been fun getting scott involved with some of it too because it's challenging day to day you don't have the opportunity to to sit down and the struggle with us in the single stores making that free time to just go through numbers you know to try to help give him the time to 
to look at it from a, a management side, it's it's hard. It's even hard to, to get uh, have discussions with our employees at times because it's just it's constant and we pride ourselves on customer service and that's probably where we give in too much to our customer. That's what's made us successful. So yeah, you know the the numbers. You can you can put the numbers in front of somebody, and say here here are the numbers. We need to improve this. Okay, what what do we need to do to improve that? You know, just being able to being able to talk to other dealers sometimes is nice. Just to you know, how are you doing? How are you doing this? How are you doing this? And, and getting different ideas. And yeah, we can make that work. And you know, sometimes that's what it, all it takes to improve improve something that you were lacking on. Yeah, you look at absorption, and it was. We've always been strong with absorption since our dads were out of the business, but it was easier because the equipment was moving. You had the sales there, and uh, then when it didn't, we had to work at it. And just in the, in the last couple of years, it's it's awesome to see what Scott and his teams have done to to move the needle on that. Good absorption, keeping you guys running yeah the optimally you yeah. Know, yeah yeah at this point yeah and then just uh you know having uh it's a, an expensive cost to have but having a parts delivery service uh, a lot of dealers you know that did it don't do it anymore or, or this or that and that, to us that's a, a lifeline for us really just bringing that customer service uh that was helped yeah uh, connection connection the guy that's delivering the parts has a has a good connection with the people that he's that he's working with, and I, we get work back out of that. So we still have a lot of customers that, I mean, you look at reports of their parts purchases, service purchases, whole goods purchases, and we still have a lot of customers that are all parts and service. They're just they're still using their forty year old tractors, uh, or if there are, they're rotating into a used a used machine that they're finding online somewhere and sticking. 15 grand in it to get it up and going uh, so by having that dynamic has, has really been a good part of it too uh, the technology so looking back at from going from 95 to today yeah our you know our dads were handwriting orders and all of a sudden once we got involved and started pushing things a little bit more all of a sudden we, you know, then the internet was more of a focus. So we got a website and we got on used equipment. And I can still remember the original Green Star showing up in this giant, you know, yeah, suitcase. Big black case. Armored yeah. suitcase. And uh, playing around with it. And my uh, Uncle Roy, the sales manager at the time, is looking at me like, this is stupid. You know, this is, nah, this is nothing. And now you look at it today of, you know, we were interested. I was curious about it. And, and Scott, too, took that and ran with it. And now precision farming will become the most important part of an equipment dealer in the future. And it's happening faster than, than I even thought it would. Um, and we, we just tried to stay with it. We, you know, Deer came out with a new business system. We made sure that we, we got it within a fairly quick time. Different technologies that came out, add-ons to it. We went with uh, service delivery. So as a single store, we all of a sudden we started making some larger investments in technology that even some of the bigger dealers weren't at the time, and DIT for inventory tracking, uh, and now now we've got a CRM through Salesforce going. 
they're big investments for a small organization, but the rewards are there. They can be reaped if it's if it's done right. And uh, so that's helped us along the way too, add with our growth and uh, and expanding. So you feel like you there were some technological decisions that you've made and your brother <clears throat> that kind of separates what the older generation was doing there. And, and you, those things that you recognized that you, you needed to address and uh, you, you felt like the technology just kind of needed to get upgraded, everything needed to get yeah, you know, all there. When, you know, looking at, you know, a lot of dealer stories is, you know, they, they were one location and then they added and they bought and they did through acquisition. And we just never were in a position where we could do that. Uh, the opportunities weren't there at the right time for us. So we looked at it and said, let's use technology to grow instead. And, you know, again, the same thing, you had the whole online shopping experience starting to pick up too. So looking at it, really, do we need another brick and mortar location to grow? We really don't. And then as the farms were consolidating, getting bigger, they were putting on their own shops, shops that are bigger than our shop. And we just, God, God, we would love to add on to our shop. It would be awesome to do. And we've, we've looked at it and it just, the, the market didn't make the favors there in 14, 15, when things started to go bad to do that. We looked at it, took a different approach. Why don't we get service trucks and we can go to the farm that has the nice big shop. They don't have to bring their stuff to us anymore. Uh, so we added two service trucks and dedicated two guys strictly on the road for that. And that's been a huge uh, focus for us too. More headaches for him, because now he's got two guys on the road all the time. He's got to manage and make sure calls are going to, and they've got this job and that job to get done. Um, and then, But they've been able to keep themselves busy over winter too, and not be clogging up our shop. They've been able to do the inspections and the, the repairs out by the customer. So that was, that that's a plus. So that's, Probably where our pain point is now in the winter. It's like sardines in our shop because everything's tight. You have to plan ahead when you want to move stuff in and out. <laughs> Everybody needs to be in coordination. <laughs> so I try to put a dollar amount to that. I mean, we know we have lost efficiency there when we're doing that, but it is what it is right now. Um, so you, your, your growth strategy is technology. Yeah. 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 And then we did it with the PF side adding. We brought in a Eric as our PF manager and uh, Phil actually, that's with the PF now, he came on, on on the part side first and when I actually interviewed him, he had a passion for precision farming at that point. So that was the goal the day that I hired him was we would get him into parts for a few years and move him into PF. Again, a challenge for us as a single store is what's in it for these guys to move or advance anywhere, it's tough. And I, I feel bad sometimes because we are trapped in areas where we can't move somebody to another level because there's not a spot or we don't have somebody to take the, the spot that they would leave. But on the PF side, it worked out good. We were able to, to again, take the technology focus and add another guy to that, grow that, um, and add some goals to them. And, and they've really, this year, they've just been phenomenal with uh, the challenge with the equipment, whole goods side to have PF parts and service step up has been been good. And then just new advancements again with uh, 
we have an ice and me through John Deere. It's a, basically a dealer portal. So customers can access online all their invoices. They can order parts online. So again, we're able to, to reach them and satisfy them without having to have a physical presence for them. For one of our gentlemen that was 39 years in the business, for he, the changes in, in equipment just were too fast. He was on parts for, for that many years and wanted to do something different. So we tried to do sort of a CSR role, go out, visit customers and kind of real informal at first. And then we started picking out service inspections and he'd, he'd bring service inspections into the shop and keep things rolling. And uh, then he retired and we brought another gentleman in to, to fill that spot for a number of years. And uh, now we're, we eliminated that position, trying to reorganize and see how we can make that one work for us. Cause I still see there's potential there. But again, we're just, again, looking at how can we service our customers from our, our single location. Uh, remote control, uh, remote control, remote display access. Again, now theoretically we can do more from our from our one location that we couldn't do before. So just again trying to leverage the technology. It's pragmatic. You know, it's, it's, it, it baffles me when I see like a new strip ball built or something like that, you know, or just the brick and mortar, you know, retail model, you know, it's, it's just so outdated. I'll wait till you leave the room. <laughs> so tell us where he's been messing up. <laughs> <laughs> Off the record. <laughs> yeah. No, it's 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 a good uh, the family atmosphere is, is good to work for, that's for sure. Yeah. And, and it was with, with his dad and his uncles and it is with, with him and Chris. Was he uh did he fill the role as a him and his, his brother Chris did, uh, did did they feel like managers you know instantaneously or was there a little bit of maybe not from you but maybe some of the other technicians like I'm not gonna listen to that young man. no I, I maybe a little um, the hard part I think for some of the technicians is, was I became their manager at the same time so and I didn't get a lot of pushback but you know there's guys that were there a long time and and some maybe thought that they should have got the job and and didn't. Um, but I think over time, for both of us, you know, you gain the respect and it, it was fine. Um, yeah, it, the age thing is, is, you know, probably a, is probably the kicker, you know, somebody younger than you, you know, being your boss is, is hard to take from the start, but. It's hard for some, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, you guys are pretty similar in age? Or? Yeah, I'm a little older. I, I'm 42, so about yeah. five or six years, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, when you're there, even for me being there for a while and then having, you know, John's going to go to college and come and run the place and it, it, it takes a little, uh, it takes a little time, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, you know, m my bosses, you know, kids are all now entering college and I, I'm expecting some time in the next, you know, five years or so where you're like, let me, uh, let me get you in where I'll be calling one of his sons that I've known since they were eight or nine boss, you know? Right, right. Yeah. So he told me all about the mess-ups <laughs> here over the past few years. And, oh, that's awesome. Uh, Perfect. That, that was really good. That was, I, 
Oh yeah, we do need to talk about that. Did talk about it? <laughs> I did not tell him that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it, it, there's actually a story of the runaway wagon hitting a combine. Yeah, yeah. yeah you got some bars on it, talking to it. Hello, no, doing good. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Are we working okay? Yeah, we're okay. good. Perfect. Yeah. Tell us about the runaway combine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, you know, when I was working in high school, I just never. The mechanics just never were there for me. And, uh, I got done setting up a gravity box and it was going to start raining. So my dad's like, you got to bring that thing in. You got to bring it in the shop. I'm like, big deal. You know, whatever. Just leave it out there. No, it's got to come in right now. And, okay, I'll go get it. No, can't wait. Can't go get a tractor. Just, just take this 318 lawnmower over here. Just put a pin in it and pull it in. So, so I did that. Put the pin in pulled it in and there's a pretty good lip of concrete between the gravel and the and the shop floor and I was going fast enough that the pin popped out and all of a sudden I see this gravity box rolling backwards <laughs> down our a fairly good sloped uh, gravel lot and I just start I just start yelling I'm like no 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 I'm running after it I actually was running fast enough that I got behind it and I tried <laughs> tried tried pushing it to stop I think it'll work and lo and behold, there's a brand new, I think it was a 9610 combine at the end of that lot. And bang, right into the front feeder house. <laughs> so, you know, as a, as a good example of, you know, yeah, the owner's son always gets favored or this or that. And it was, a, a, I think, a good example of maybe a humbling experience for myself too. Of, you know, just because you're the owner's son doesn't mean you're gonna, <laughs> not take a, a pretty good uh, hard time for that one. And there was there was a couple other experiences like that. They're all lessons learned. Yep. Yep. What's, uh, what's been your most humbling experience um, in the management seat here? What's... I would say uh, when we really started to focus on our culture because, and that's just within the last couple of years, we've always made an emphasis on on treating our, our employees right and, and trying to listen to them and do things. But when we actually started to talk about each other and really get to understand and, and accept, you know, in the past, maybe people were a little more defensive or, you know, if you, if you said, oh man, you know, you do this or that, they would get mad. And rather than just communicating and listening. For me, when I started to, to do that, I can remember vaguely Eric actually, our PF manager saying to me, he goes, you know, you just, when you're at your desk, you always look like you're, like you're mad. Like you're upset about something. And I, and I just know not to come and talk to you then. And I pride myself on being very level headed and not getting upset. So I was like, really? And just the way that I looked uh, intimidated people or made them think that I was upset or mad. And, and I never knew that. Uh, so now learning that, I still do today. The other day I walked in from back in the shop and one of the parts guys says, what are you all upset about? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like nothing. And I start smiling and I'm like, really? Did I do it again? And they're like, yeah. 
my mind's just, I'm going a million places and I got a million things to do. And apparently I just look like I'm upset when I'm doing that. So that's been really opening to be able to, to use it as an example to the other employees that I'm listening. And, and if I'm not doing something right as the owner, if I'm not treating you fairly or, or, or being kind to you, I need to know that so I can change. Because it's not always a matter of making the employees change. Management's got to change. Uh, so through our whole culture experience, we've really opened up that conversation. And I've tried to make myself, in terms of uh, humbling, make myself show my vulnerability. Because I'm, I'm a perfectionist. And I always believe that as a manager, I got to be perfect. I got to do everything right. I got to set that example when I find out that actually it's more intimidating to everybody else of uh, be able to have a conversation with me. So Chris and I bouncing off and, and being kind of yin and yang, you, people would not come to me to talk about stuff. They would go to him and talk about it. And uh, I've been working on it for a number of years and I'm really happy because now people actually will come to me and talk about stuff. And, and I can help them solve those problems because at the end of the day, I just love to serve. Uh, that's probably my favorite part and why I get down these rabbit holes every day because I'm trying to help everybody and when they want my help I am just rewarded to be able to to do it so that's been a big part what's a, a change maybe you've seen in, in, in their management or, or their, their in themselves um, how have you seen them grow it's definitely the bigger the bigger we've gotten and the more um I shouldn't say stress, but the the busier we've gotten, it you can tell the the expectations are higher and higher. Um, and, and at times you have to you keep trying to meet those expectations, and sometimes you you don't feel like you are. Um, I, I would say that was the that that's one change I've seen. But on the other hand, like I said, you know, while he was not in the room, it the family atmosphere is still there. You know, it's 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 great to work for a family company. It was it was good to work for his dad, and it's good to work for these guys. The the single store. Everybody kind of knows what's going on. There's nothing hidden at another location. You know, you don't know what what that that group is up to. Here, you know what everybody's doing, what everybody's supposed to be doing. So, to me, that's a big, big reason I've been there as long as I have. Recognition. Um, we've we've failed because we never got recognition. You know, dad and uncles they never they never really. You know, but my dad had a way of showing his recognition, but it was different than coming to him and say, hey, great job, you know, hey, congratulations. He did it more so in an indirect way, and it was very powerful. Like, he could be a, he could bring me a new one, and then during that week at some point, do something that was, like, life-saving for you. He just had a way of, of doing that, and uh, I'm not, I, I'm not, I can't do that. I, I can't really get in somebody's face and remote but then at the same time I really don't have that ability to indirectly come back and do that so I realized I wasn't ever thanking our employees enough you know it could be six months and I I never even said who to you know a technician in the shop um, so that's been a something that I continue to struggle with at times my cousin included just complimenting employees and thanking them for what they're doing and uh, it's nice to hear sometimes from Scott he'll be like yeah you know Craig was out on a service call till 1130 at night that's great to know because I can go and thank him for that because it's our employees that have made us successful 
So that, that's always a challenge of my problem always being, it can always be better when sometimes I need to step back and just be like, do a great job. You know, you killed it. <clears throat> There's always that fear being a single location of, uh, you know, we've got to find that next thing to, to keep going. We've got to find that next niche, that next, uh, that next repair job. And, uh, and that's not totally a negative thing either. You know, if, if you didn't have somebody pushing you like that, you know, how successful would you be? So that, that's a, a big part of our success is him looking for that next big thing. With, with your, when you're looking for that next thing, you know, what, what are, uh, yeah, I hate to be trite, but you know, what, what's the, <laughs> what, what's the next five years look like for, uh, for ice and, and, and for, uh, for your team? And what do you see down the road here? Five years closer to retirement. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe for you. <laughs> uh, technology, we've really got to look at it and say, uh, even even a crazy thing, steel has a robotic lawnmower. It's a little IMO. And now Husqvarna's got one. And now all of a sudden, one year later, after they launched theirs out, there's dozens of companies that are making a robotic lawnmower. Mm-hmm. So we rely heavily on our, on our turf business and it's going to take time for that to evolve and change in our area because we're always a little bit behind the rest of the, the U.S. in terms of advancement. But that's a huge disruptor. If you start taking a, a, a lawnmower and the lawnmower blades, the belts, the pulleys, the spindles, the engine, uh, and we, we lose those turnkey tune-ups in the future, we've got to have an alternative option. And I'm sure Deere has things in the works. They had at the Agritechno, they had the battery powered compact tractor. And I look back to the Green Star display. Oh, that's uh, battery, blah, blah, blah. You know, you get all those comments today, but that's what it's going to be. So how can we position ourselves to generate revenue from that, not from the product sale, but also from the support of those? Is I believe the next challenge. And then on the egg side, being able to retrain some of our technicians that are valuable to us today, they're gonna to have to learn electronics, they're gonna to have to learn electrical components uh, and making it enjoyable for them so that they actually wanna do it. Not that all of a sudden it's, I don't wanna be in this industry anymore and you start losing some of your, your good employees. To me, that's a, gonna be a big challenge for what's next. Um, Are you uh, referring to kind of more automation and equipment and that changing the service <laughs> landscape? Is that what, what you're referring to there? Yeah, um, and like, uh, like an electric, like electric, uh, electric powertrain. Yeah, so, yeah, you lose many of those components that you guys are selling and servicing yeah, yeah, at this absolutely. point. Yeah, so what, what is that? You know, we have a gentleman that's 39 years. He's just a phenomenal engine transmission mechanic. If I, he's just remarkable. And at some point he's gonna retire. And hypothetically, as electric takes over, you're not gonna need to, that person to, to fill that void, but now how do you gain back all that labor? What, 
what area are you going to do it in? Is it going to be data management? Is it going to be uh, monitoring equipment? You've got to, it's going to be extremely challenging to sell the value to customers to make up that difference in what was normally a reactive revenue. You know, something happened, something yeah. broke, I need it fixed, I got to pay for it. Where now it's more of the proactive having to go out and actually convince them on why they should. Catching that problem before it happens. Yeah. Well, this all touches on, on what you have done, you know, over the years. You know, it's, that's got to be something that both of you, you know, have to think about. We, we had a, how many, have you been to, you've been to our summits before? Yep. Yeah. Um, we had the uh, autonomous tractor guy uh, did a, a keynote uh, talk, but he opened my eyes to that. He talked about, you know, what a lot of you guys need to keep in mind is the Tesla model is coming. You know, a, a Tesla where he might bring his car in every 50,000 miles, maybe change tires or something, but, you know, everything's happening, all the firmware updates, you know, on that car, you know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's gonna be pretty profound for a company, especially, you know, for an organization that, you know, you're, you're relying on your absorption, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, so, yeah, if you have more thoughts, I, I, I love this type of, you know, forward thinking and, and mm -hmm. people like yourselves going, how do we, how do we combat that? And if you, yeah, keep, keep talking about that if you've got some thoughts on it. What worries me is uh, hearing our PF guys say they're concerned about not having enough, enough large egg volume to keep them busy. Not enough uh, units out in our area responsibility to, to make sure that they can turn a profit and have enough business. So it's, it's gonna be more of that looking at what are we not doing today that we could do. And that's a different way of thinking. Usually in the past now with our technology upgrades, it's been, let's enhance something we're doing. Let's make what we're doing better where now we got to look at it and say, how can we do something we haven't done before and start from the ground up? So that's a little, uh, makes you a little worried about how you're going to do that. Uh, so we've just got to sit down and, and start brainstorming. I really like the takeaway of uh, having everybody make a list of 10 products or 10 solutions, getting together and, and everybody agreeing on picking three of them to try. So let's pick three products or solutions that we can try implementing in 2020, 2021, and, uh, and see where that goes. Because if you don't try it, no one's gonna buy it, so. Uh, <clears throat> Are you thinking of some products? Is there, are there some things you wanna try? I, I'm big on the autonomous mowers. I, really see the value in that uh, just across the whole where society's headed I'm, I'm actually I'm like a, a senior millennial and uh, one of our warranty advisors wonderful service assistant we have Sarah she and I are about the same age and we both have kind of that mindset I don't know if it's a vision or what it is, but we were able to connect with 
like Scott's generation and, and older uh, people and connect with the millennials and the newer generations coming. And just the sustainability, the green, the carbon footprint, a robotic mower is where it's at for that. And as much as it hurts our business long-term, we can't look at it that way. We gotta look at it and say, how can we be a leader in this or how can we proactively go at it? And I, we try to approach that with just about everything we do. When somebody comes up to me and says, oh, we can't do it that way or, oh, that's never gonna work. Right away, it's like, don't talk that way. Let's, let's look at it and put our energy towards how we can make it work. Um, I'm a big believer if an individual's like, ah, I'm no good at this, or this is really confusing. Don't say that because you're already, you're already setting yourself up to fail. Let's, let's look at it and say what's possible. Um, and as a whole, as a leader, what I've found interesting too is I don't hear all the, the gossip that goes on. So when a couple things get wind and they get my way and I find out about them, I'm like, really? You know, like, holy cow. And one thing I really noticed was how much people watch me. Like, I'm not an emotional person. I, I smile a lot. I, I laugh a lot. I'm very upbeat. But boy, if I'm down just a little bit, everybody notices it. And that's hard sometimes. Um, because then everybody's wondering what's going on, you know, what's wrong or, you know, Scott's pretty good about like, if there's something I got to say to somebody, I'll pace around a little bit and <laughs> he just knows what's coming. You know, somebody's, somebody's I've got to have a tough conversation with somebody. Um, <clears throat> so that's, that's difficult because the flip side of it is when I am excited, I've, I've learned through a, a mentor sometimes you got to hold that excitement in as much as you want to share it with everybody and be like, oh, this is, this is what we're going to do, you know, five years from now or whatever. I got to hold it back and I can't share it with them. And I got to wait for the right time. And sometimes I don't know when the right time is. So looking at what new things we're going to do or, or how we're going to progress in the future, I find myself having to do that more because sometimes when I do jump out with my excitement and my idea, it freaks them out because then they're wondering and how we're going to do this. How is this going to work? Um, how, like for Scott, especially how can I do that now when I've got all this other stuff I'm already dealing, I'm maxed out. Like I, and that's where the struggle is right now because I, I, I can't elaborate and, and say, I've got all these pieces figured out. I'm just excited about it. And, um, it scares them. So, that makes it more challenging for the future. If you had any advice for anybody in this industry, uh, I'll, I'll start with you, John. And, and uh, anyone that's some young buck out there that's uh, maybe thinking about becoming a, you know, a dealer principal, uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what was, would you pass along? Uh, it was really interesting talking to some people, some business professionals that are not involved in agriculture. And when they looked at not only our financial statements, but you know, other dealers as a whole, they're just blown away by the amount of risk 
and you don't think about it. You know, growing up and, and being in it all this while, you never really thought about it, of, of it as being high risk. But when you start looking at the small margins and the large dollars involved with inventory, it's very high risk. And for somebody new coming in, to understand that is, is very challenging. I'm learning every day. I never was in the whole goods world. I was more aftermarket. And uh, when you start seeing how things are changing and evolving on the whole goods side, it, it's very high risk. So in terms of a you know where you want to go with it, you're gonna you're gonna want to make sure you're not gonna lose your hair because <laughs> it's just. You've got to be in it. The customers are demanding. It's 24-7. And you've got to be prepared to do that, regardless of what position you're in. Um, it's not going to be a, yeah, every, you know, work till 3.30 everybody's accountable now. have Fridays off, business. You've got, to, you've got to be in it all the way. Got to have some big shoulders. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> what would you, uh, Scott, what, what kind of advice would you give someone that would be considering or what, what advice would you have given a, a, you know, a younger John when, you know, you guys were sitting together and, and he was going, you know, I think I'm going to run my dad's business. You know? I would say, don't feel like you have to know everything, you know, be able to lean on other people for their strengths. Yeah. Um, that you've got good people around you, you know, use them. And he, and he has done that. Unfortunately, I tend to overuse the ones that do follow through. And that's, one of the hardest things is getting those that you do put a task on and they don't quite complete it enough. Training them, coaching them to do that, sometimes it just it just never clicks for them. All right, party words. Any final thoughts? Uh, I'm excited to see what the next five year five years brings technology wise. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. As much as it's changed in the last five, I I really see. It's going to be fun the next five. Yeah. I, you know, again, again I, I've been watching this from, you know, total distance here, but, uh, yeah, it's just the, it, the evolution that's happening with, with you guys and your peers. And um, it's just like every other industry. But, you know, again, going back to, to what the gentleman said earlier is uh, you, if you're selling hardware today, you're going to wake up in the morning and you're selling software. And I just, yeah, that, that really just kind of encapsulates, I think, um, what a lot of, you know, the people that are here um, might not be anticipating, you know, and, and or, 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 or maybe it's the thing they're struggling with, but they don't know they're struggling with, it, you know, it's because they, they, they want to sell iron, you know, and, and they want to hang on to that, they want to hang on to those razor thin margins, you know, and, and uh, you know, I don't know, but, um, I, I'm optimistic too. I, I think you know the you know, younger generation people like you, both of you, you know, by the way, and are part of the younger generation here in this room and in this industry. But having those ideas and having a vision um, that you know, yeah, when you wake up tomorrow, things could be different, you know. And, and how do you tackle that? How do you make sure you don't lose your shirt, you know, with it? Wake up surprised and broke, and, you know, all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. So. Um, so anyway, that, that's just my you know, humble uh, opinion on things. I think the autonomy is just awesome. It, 
I get jacked over technology and and what it can do for for the end user and, and being able to provide that solution, that's gonna be fun. The headaches is gonna be implementing the the process, the training, the mindset of, you know, just trying to get people out of their old routine and thinking a different way. The technician shortage is real everywhere. Uh, we're blessed as you know, maybe in a small organization and, and just having a good group, we've been able to hire some really good young people. Uh, so we continue to focus on that, but long-term with it is just looking at my high school only, oh man, that's getting a long time already, isn't it? 18 years. <laughs> mm, probably half of the kids were farm kids. And now I'm on an advisory council there and there's maybe one kid per class that's on a farm. So how do you get that passion? Because that's really what it really what it is. If you have a passion, you're gonna you're gonna learn it, you're gonna do it. Um, getting that, not necessarily convincing them, but helping them see that this is gonna be a a fun challenge. Just just being able to tell a story to the younger kids. He and I have been the two that that do most of the, you know, trying to bring in the, the interns and doing the youth apprenticeship program through high school. Uh, he's been doing a, a wonderful job with that. And just our focus has been trying to tell stories and what sets us apart from working in a corporate environment where you're going and sitting in your cubicle all day, um, planting a, you know, a roadmap of a career, of something different every day, being outside, being on the road. Uh, trying to give them some sort of image of, of where they could go five years in a small organization. Cause, and then culture. I mean, last year, doing interviews with individuals just for hiring positions, culture was never, a, in the past, was never a conversation. This year, I think about well, 80% of the people that we interviewed were asking, how's your culture? What do you mean by that? So they want to know... They want to know what the work environment is, okay. yeah. and uh, because there's a lot of there's a lot of awful work environments out there yet, um, and whether it's a small business or a large corporate business, all it takes is one bad manager, and that can just can ruin an employee's enjoyment with their job, and we really put a focus on bringing a, a more enjoyable, positive culture, and we don't have those layers of management. So those chances of having multiple bad managers isn't, isn't there. Uh, so just trying to, to focus our emphasis on, on having a fun place to work. It's going to be high stress. You're going to run your butt off. Uh, you're going to never expect to be under this much stress in this high-paced environment as much as we tell you. Uh, but you'll find a way to enjoy it, I guess. This is kind of the way it's been going for a lot of people. Thanks so much to John Ice and Scott Schlupe for taking the time to sit down and share Ice Implement's story with us. And another thanks to HBS Systems for making this podcast possible. I'd love to get your feedback on the series, so drop me a line at kschmidt at lestermedia.com. You can subscribe to the podcast via Spotify, iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, or TuneIn Radio. This will ensure you'll be alerted as soon as new episodes are released. Thanks for joining us for this one-on-one conversation with John Ice and Scott Schlupe. 
Until next time, I'm Kim Schmidt, signing out of the Our Dealer Story Podcast.